This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and this week we have a very special episode where we are taking a closer look at who the key players were for the Claret last season building up to of course the player who won this year's player of the year by now we know it was Josh Cullen he won both the players player and the fans player of the year but we shortlisted four other players who we thought deserved a special mention who were that shortlist very easy to determine Manuel Benson Nathan Teller Jordan Bayer Ian Matson, and of course the winner himself Josh Cullen I'm joined by various members of our panel this week, each of them taking a look at their favourite player and talking about why they thought they deserved this accolade. That's what we've got coming up for you this week. This is the Known and Never podcast. So, Tom, you've ended up with um, the what probably will be the top scorer of the side of the team. Um, another lone player, uh, Saints Loney Nathan Teller, our absolute wonder kid, um, who maybe had a slightly slow start to the season, but has ended up being um, an incredibly influential um, player for the Clarets and formed an unlikely strike partnership with the one and only Ashley Barnes. Um, what what? Do you think he has brought to the team this season? I think uh, in a lot of ways, he's a player that really epitomises the change that we've had this season. Um, he's about as far from a sort of typical Sean Dyche player as you can imagine. Uh, you know, pace, trickery, plays with a smile on his face. Uh, and he, the kind of player that when, when he gets the ball on that right-hand side, you're just thinking, bomb on, get, you know, beyond his man. Uh, get a shot away and yeah I think it's that injection of pace more than anything is is what makes him so exciting and it's been a long time since we've had a player who's so quick and direct and uh, and obviously it's brought its own reward with the amount of goals he scored this season. Yeah definitely not one that I think people thought would be um, top scorer and I think one of the things with Teller as well is is he's very much epitomised the shift that the fans have had to make in terms of how you different ways that you can get out of the championship. We were all very nervous at the start of the season when company decided that Burnley didn't need to go out and sign a 20-goal striker. They would just share the goals around the team. And we all went, oh, tut, 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 tut. that's not how you get out of the championship. 
Little did we know that Vincent Company was going to write a whole new rule book of how he did at the championship. Um, what's, what's, he's played against quite a few of the team in terms of, of strike partners. Sometimes he's had to play on his own. But obviously the one with Ashley Barnes has been the most intriguing. He turned Ashley Barnes very much more into a provider rather than a striker himself. But irrespective of that, what's been your, I guess, favourite partnership with Teller? What's been the most pleasing um, dynamic? Yeah, I think I think Teller and Barnes is the one for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think they complement each other really well. Um, Teller's got pace and trickery, two things you probably couldn't accuse Barnes of, of having. But what he's got that Teller hasn't is that physicality. Uh, like you say, he's, he's selfless, dropping deep. Um, holding off defenders, working hard. And we've seen how often this season Teller's profited from just that clip ball over the top from Cullen. Um, you mm. know, his first touch is fantastic. Um, he can play on the shoulder. And we've not really seen uh, sort of a, an attacker who plays on the shoulder since probably Andre Gray, uh, I don't think. Playing I think that's fair, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we've missed Gray it. Was, yeah, absolutely. I, I missed that kind of player, I think. And, uh, Gray always played well with with a Barnes or a Vogue, someone who could just hold it up, do the sort of the the dirty work for them, to hold off the defenders, and uh, and yeah, that that partnerships worked really well. And uh, like you like you sort of touched on before, it's been the a, a hallmark of our previous promotions has been a good strike partnership. It's been you know Ings and Vokes, Ings and uh, sorry Ings and Vokes, Gray and Vokes. Uh, even Patterson and Thompson, you can think yeah. of who, you know, two attackers who complemented each other really well. And while, as you say, it's not it's not been the kind of season where we've had a, a an out and out striker who's been banging him in every week, that's probably been the closest thing we've had to that this season. Teller and Barnes. Yeah, I agree. Bearing that in mind, given just how much Teller has flourished with that Barnes partnership, there's a really obvious gap going to be in our squad next season, depending on what Vincent Company's plans are for um, who he brings in from the market. Does Lyle Foster slit, uh, slit, slot fit into that um, Ashley Barnes role? Could he play against Teller? Because that's a partnership that I'd be quite intrigued to see. There'd be a lot of pace in that front line, I think. Mm. Um, I think from Foster, yeah, we've not seen as much physicality but I think you've started to see that he's learning that role I think yeah um and I think with someone that you bring in in, in a January window then it you know especially from abroad then sometimes it's it's quite good to give them just six months to bed in yeah don't expect an awful lot from them but then hopefully the kick on next season and I think Bristol City's back to goal game looked really good uh was it Bristol City? yeah Bristol City's is back to go and Rotherham as well Back to goal game, start to look much more impressive, Foster, and he's starting to show that he can play yeah. that role. Um, and I think, yeah, that's what that's what Teller wants, and that's how we're going to get the best out of Teller is just allowing him just to drift in from the right or drift in from the left, and just find those pockets of space that are opened up by the centre forward dropping deep, and hopefully Foster, and if not, uh, you know, another sign in, hopefully to to complement Teller, assuming of course Teller's back next season will uh, will work well. Yeah, I think we're all feeling relatively confident that Teller will be back. The noises coming out of the club are very much that um, we think he might come back. Um, we don't know that, obviously, yet. And, uh, you know, also we need we don't know whether Southampton will sell him. I suspect if they do get relegated, which it looks like they will, um, it feels pretty likely that he'll come. 
Um, I was interested to see a lot of the players when promotion was secured, sending in messages saying, sign it, sign it, sign it, sign him on. Um, which, which obviously then leads us on to the, the, the most obvious question. Um, he hasn't yet proven himself in the, in the in the Premier League and it is a big step up. Southampton sent him out on loan a couple of times because they didn't deem him quite there yet. And of course, this is a side that are really struggling at the bottom. They're likely to have to drop into the Championship next season. Um, do you think he's learnt enough under company and do you think he's stepped up enough this season that he can give it a really good go next season in the, in the Premier League? Or do you think he might be more of a fringe player? I think it's probably a question you can level at a lot of the squad. Not not a lot of them have got Premier League experience. But I think if you ask the majority of Southampton fans whether they're happy that Teller has been on loan at Burnley, you know, banging him in, whereas their team's rubbish and is getting relegated, they'd probably be quite annoyed that he hasn't had a chance. Mm. Um, I think what the majority of the team has proven this season is that they're too good to play in the Championship. And I think Teller... Teller has really stood out at this level. Um, you know, he's, he's not proven in the Premier League, but I don't think he's really played much football anywhere before. And I think, you know, this season is the first he's really had a chance to to have a run in a team and and be a sort of, you know, a first name on the team sheet kind of player. And, uh, and he's risen to it. And I think you have to say that he, you know, he's he looks too good for the level. He looks He looks too good to play in the Championship. And obviously, then the next uh, the next step is to play in the Premier League, and I'd be confident that he could step up. Um, I he's got the he's got the attributes in terms of pace, in terms of skill, um, and you know we're not going to need a, a twenty goal player next season. We, if, if we can get two or three chipping in with ten, then we'll have a really good chance of surviving. And I'd, I'd be confident he could get ten goals in the Premier League next season. Absolutely. So, Dave, you've got perhaps one of the more difficult players to choose. I think it appears a popular opinion among fans that it's a very close call between Josh Cullen and your pick of our selection, which is, of course, Jordan Bayer, um, on loan from uh, Mönchengladbach, um, hopefully joining us next season. He has been an absolute tower of strength in our centre-half. Um, what's particularly impressed you about him this season? Uh, mainly his confidence on the ball. I mean, obviously, from a defensive point of view, that's one thing, but um, his passing and his movement forward as well, when he gets on the ball and and runs with it, we've not really seen that much from a Burnley centre-back for, for quite a long time. Um, and it's just a, a, a breath of fresh air, really, to, to do that. He just seems so confident on the ball. He's still relatively young. He's still uh, 22, I think he turns yeah. 23 later this month. Um, but he's, uh, you know, shows a lot of experience in the side, and he's sort of slotted in and and done really, really well this season as a uh, a lone player. And as we say, we're hoping we can turn that into a permanent move and have him playing for us in the uh, Premier League next season. Yeah, you're right. One of the most joyous things that I've seen this season is when Bayer goes on that driving run right down the middle, and nobody can get anywhere near him. I think as Burnley fans, there's always that little bit of a. Where are you going? Like, go back, go back and defend. Um, I think one of the things that's impressed me about Bayer is his is ability to slot in with any centre-half that has been um, asked to put with him. And the four that we've got now are really, really impressive. Obviously, Jordan Bayer, Ekdal, Taylor Howard, Bellis and Alder Keel. Whichever one of those he's played with, he's he's 
slotted in quite nicely. Um, and Charlie Taylor. Uh, I'm not Charlie Taylor's not a centre half. Taylor is. I'm not having that. He's he's a left back. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's deputised admirably when he's needed to. But yeah, he's not a centre half. Um, so I guess two questions. The first one being, out of the four through centre halves that we have, who's your favourite pairing? Like who who complements Bay has played most? I'm not sure. We've had uh, a little bit of an issue, obviously, with Taylor Harwood Bellis's injury. He was out for a long time. Uh, Ekdal didn't come in till later, so we've not really had an extended run to know what the answer to that question is. Um, and we may well find that out next season. Um, but we do have options there. I mean, they, they are all taking a step up. They, they are younger players. They're ones who are going to improve over time, but we know how big a jump it is from the Championship to the Premier League. But you kind of flip that on its head to some extent. I, I, the, the the player that comes to mind was when we had another loan player for us quite a few years ago. Gary Cahill came to mm. us on loan Aston Villa early on in the season. It was a season-long loan. He was with us for the majority of that season, right through to the end. And he won player of the season that he season. Did. He came yeah. We had the likes of uh, John McGreal playing alongside him. Um, and he was a you know, revelation at that. He was a bit younger. I think he was only eighteen or nineteen at the time, wasn't he? Um, but you could see the the promise he had as a as a young player. And he's obviously taken that step up and become a uh, an England international and had a very good career out of it since then. So it's it's one of those where it's a difficult question to answer. I'm not not sure I can answer that question. I think possibly Taylor Harwood Bellis in, in terms of potential. Yeah. But then it, that that's harsh on the other other two. Ekdal, Bay and Ekdal yeah. do play very well together as well. Mm. I mean, it's a very nice problem to have, Dave. You're right. Um, question that I've I've addressed with all of our shortlisted players. This one, um, how comfortable are you with Bayer leading that central defence next season when he comes up against a better standard of striker, more balls in the box? You know, are you do you feel comfortable enough that he can make that step up to being a Premier League centre half? I think he's got a further improvement to make. We've seen improvements since he came in at the start of the season. You know, the the the, the loans paid off, and he's got good uh, game time, played plenty of matches for us. Um, but it, as you say, it is a totally different thing next season. There's going to be a lot more blocking, a lot more tackling. He's not going to get as much time on the ball as he's had in the championship. No, but I think he can adapt to that. I mean, I think all all the players can still improve. They're still at that age where they can improve and take that step up, and and hopefully. Um, you know, do the business for us in the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. And I guess the last the last point about um Jordan Bayer, um his playing out from the back and his ability to find the man in midfield and find a pass has been really key to so many of Burnley's goals this season. Bearing in mind that we might not necessarily have the freedom to do that as much in the Premier League next year. What element of his play do you think he probably needs to focus on? Well, he probably needs to rein that back a little bit. As you say, he won't have that opportunity. But again, that comes with experience. It comes with time. And he's learning from the best, isn't he? When he's got Vincent Company as his manager, he's got someone there who's been there and done it. Mm. So um, they are learning from uh, from the master to some extent. And uh, there's real potential for him to put his imprint on these players and, uh, and improve them even further. I think there's real potential to uh, to do that. Hold up. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So Adam, you've got another one of our shortlisted players. You've got Ian Matson joining us on loan from Chelsea. Not one of our players, but one of four really key um, sub- uh, sorry, loan players this season for the Clarets. Um you could say Ian Matson set his stall out from the first game of the season, but talk us through some of the key attributes that have put him on the shortlist for player of the season. Uh, well, I think going back to the start, when we first signed him, I thought, why are we signing a left back? We've got yeah. Charlie Taylor, yeah. been one of the most consistent performers for years, and and we're signing a left back. Taylor must be off. Um, I'd, I'm not going to lie, I'd never heard of him, um, but once I started looking him up. Um, quite hopeful early on. Chelsea and obviously Dutch under twenty one international done a full season on loan at Coventry. Um, and just by looking at how upset the Coventry fans were on yeah, Twitter when we'd signed him, <laughs> uh, that was one of the one of the things that uh, that started it all off. The funny rivalry at the start, but yeah, uh, like you said, took off like a storm. Um, like like the t- whole team at Huddersfield, but. Think of it, yeah. His, his best attributes uh, are his attacking threat down that left hand side, uh, pace, uh, strength going forward. Um, he takes care of the ball really well, really, yeah. really confident on the ball. Um, like again, like a lot of the team, but yeah, from the off, you could see we're going to really add something, um, attacking wise, uh, down that left flank, which we haven't seen previously. Yeah, um, I think it was one of those really where we did he score that that Huddersfield game? Yeah, yeah, he scored yeah, he the winner. Scored, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, of course. Um, obviously not where we um, necessarily expected a goal to come from, but I think that was for many of us an introduction about how we would suddenly start using overlapping um, fullbacks and and just that that you know we'd be playing a completely different style of football than any of us had been used to for a really long time. Um, possibly fair to say that there were maybe a couple of question marks. If you remember, he got sent off really early on in that crazy home game, Blackpool, that 3-3 when we were 2-0 up and cruising really early on. Ended up drawing 3-3, was it? I think that score was. And he saw yeah. our... Is that, has that been our only red card this season? I think it has, hasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, And at the time, we all did wonder whether or not the attitude was there or whether or not we were able to um, keep hold of that temper a little bit. I think that's fair. It was a crazy time. Yeah, I think um, I think where we probably weren't used to it as fans either, having 10 years of Daesh, ultimate discipline, yeah. um, wouldn't you wouldn't see that from 
any of our play, you'd barely even see a yellow card for, for dissent. So as soon as he reacted to that Blackpool challenge, um, it was just a bit of a shock, shock in the air that uh, that he'd done that. And I think, obviously, company's taken that quite serious as well because I think after, even after his ban, it took him a couple of games to get back in. Uh, and then, yeah, he's had his ups and downs. But I think the biggest thing for me is probably how he's recovered from it in the second half of the season. So first half of the season, that red card, and then we had that flurry of goals from crosses from the right-hand side yeah. where it's probably not late goals where he's not um, like not closed down his man uh, or defended the situation very well. Uh, and then the Sheffield United game where um, there were a couple of times where he's not tracking back and not following yeah. his man and playing people on side. And yeah, you've got to remember he's 21. There's going to be those inconsistent patches, but second half of the season, he's come back. I think he's been flying, um, scored important goals against QPR and, and Swansea. Uh, I think he's got the most goal contributions from the fullback in the league. Even though we've had them little blips, I think overall he's added so much more to our team than um, than what he obviously gives away, and um, yeah, tr- and hence why he's in in the top five in the championship team this season. Is mm. yeah, he's he's had a really really impressive campaign. So a lot of the rumours circulating at the moment are that it, it is likely that all four loan signings will stay with us next season in some capacity. Um, what, if anything, well, I guess two questions. Are you confident enough with Matson in as first choice left back in the Premier League? And whether that's a yes or a no, what elements of his game do you think need improving to get him up to speed with a league above him? I'd I'd be more than happy if we signed him either on loan or permanently. I think he's he's been the outstanding fullback in in the championship, and and I think he's done that consistently over two seasons now, uh, by the sounds of it. So you'd mm. you'd think he'd be ready for that step up. Um, obviously improvement in the defensive side of his game would would obviously help out because he's going to be tested a lot more in that regard. Yeah. He might be exposed a lot more. We might have to manage the game like we did do in that sticky period where we were bringing Taylor or if we've got another another player who's more defensively uh, minded for the last 20 minutes to help us see, us get, see games out. But I can't see us as a team changing our approach in the Premier League against anyone. That might be a bit naive, but definitely against the bottom half teams. And I think he can still be a massive part of whatever um, what we do in the Premier League next season. So, yeah, I'd be chuffed a bit if we got him back either on another loan or uh, managed to sign him permanently. Georgie, 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 you have been given the little wizard himself, Manuel Benson. Let us talk through why, initially, we think he deserved his shortlist for this year's Player of the Year nomination. Yeah, well, I was delighted to see that I managed to pick Benson out of the hat because he's one of the most entertaining players to watch. You just, as soon as he comes onto the pitch, you know something's going to happen, whether it's a goal and a assist, magic to get back and um, and put the, the opposition on the back foot. It's, uh, it's a joy to watch week in, week out. And despite, you know, being injured for a few months of the season, his qualities shone through at the end of the, the campaign when he scored the four goals in four games. So... Yeah, delighted um, to see him on on the shortlist because it was well and truly deserved. 
Yeah, definitely. And it, it is a shame that injury that you talked about because at the time, one one of the, the critical factors in the dominance that Burnley had around uh, just before the World Cup break in particular was that we had... Um, we had uh, Benson on, on one wing, we had Anas on the other wing and opposition defenders just didn't know which one of them to mark first because you mark one out of the game, the other one's got all the freedom in the world. Um, but like you say, it feels, if we consider what he's done this season with those injuries, like with a full season ahead of him, what on earth do you think he could do? And I guess that leads on to the question as to what we expect from him next season in the Premier League. Yeah, you're right. It's a case of what might have been, I suppose, in terms of those injuries. Um, and let's not forget that he started the season off quite slowly. Um, mm-hmm. And a few people were wondering at the start of the season, after four or five games when he'd not scored, you know, what what's he bringing to the team? Yeah. And, and I, I, th- I think at the time I sort of I wanted to hold my judgment because you could tell those sparks of a, a good player there. But you could also tell, I mean, I'm thinking of the game away at Watford. They just booted booted yes. him up out the pitch. And you could tell it made an impact on him and he sort of went into his shell a bit. And, you know, so it took him that time to sort of get orientated into the English game. Um, and then once he got started and once he scored his first goal against Bristol City at home, he kicked on from then and, and was fantastic. And looking ahead to next season, I think now he's had that bedding in period, he's going to be a much better player for it. We've seen him up against Premier League opposition this season uh, against Bournemouth in the, in the in the cup and he scored two goals, the same as Zorori that game. And really him and Zorori showed in that game, uh, the Vitality Stadium, that they can quite easily make the step up next season. Yeah. Okay, it won't be as easy. You know, the fullbacks will be of a higher quality, but I think Benson's... I think Benson is almost better than Zorori in a lot of ways, personally. I, I yeah, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. So I, I I think you'll see him attacking the fullbacks just as he does now. And they'll, they'll know he's coming and they'll know he will try and cut in on the left foot. But if they try and stop that, then he'll go the other way and try and put a crossing on his right. And it's he's the kind of player, when he gets in the form like he did at the end of the season, it just takes one chance um, being allowed to cut inside and shoot and he'll, he'll put it in the back of the net. So I've got a lot of confidence that he'll be a really, really entertaining player to watch next season. And at the age of 25, 26, he's coming into his peak years and yeah hopefully that that shines through in the Premier League yeah just just picking up on the point that you made there about that game at Watford where you know the, the physicality was a challenge for him how do we think he's going to be able to adapt to Premier League football which is normally speaking against physically more tougher players bigger players they are real athletes in the Premier League and he hasn't yet faced that level of quality what does he need to do, if anything, to adapt his play to be able to thrive in the Premier League? I guess all the, the good work will come on the training ground and the, the things that we can't see. But I think he'll be protected in a way in that the champion... I think the teams in the Premier League are a bit less cynical than the ones in the Championship. In, in terms yeah. of the Championship, you know, they'll have a hack at the legs and the referee will let it slide. And, you know, it's really good to watch as a fan, but obviously as a winger, it's not the most... <laughs> it appealing. really isn't. I'm like, what is oh, I love it. <laughs> But it's not the most appealing of prospects if you're a winger who's new to the new to English football. So I think he'll have that on his side in the Premier League. But yeah, like I say, I think it's just work on the training ground. I'm very confident that company he'll have the defenders, you know, making life a nuisance for him in training. So then yeah. he can go into the Premier League and and hit it right off the back. And we we can already tell that company's approach to training is 
second to none. There's no room for manoeuvre there. And, you know, even the fact that they're bringing the, the players who aren't on international duty in for a pre-season, it just shows that there's going to be no... Uh, room to slouch and slack off, so I'm, I'm I'm not I've not got really any issues in terms of his physicality moving up to the Premier League. It's just I suppose seeing on day one and the the, yeah. the opening months how his quality will show against those players. Yeah, definitely. Uh, probably know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway because why not? Favorite goal out of the four Benson specials. Hmm. Well, yeah, I think we've all got to say the Blackburn Rovers game away. Um, because it just because of what it meant, you know, fantastic. There's a bot coming here. There's a bot. But there is a bot coming. Um, I wasn't at the game, and it wasn't his best goal of the season because his best goal of the season was away at Bristol City. Um, his mm. last goal of the campaign because just the way he he was running away from goal, he was sort of off balance, yeah. and he still managed to get it in the top corner. I think that was the the better goal. And you know what? I'd better. even I'd even say that the the goal was it against Rotherham at home early in the season where he jinked past like three yeah. men just yeah just to get into position. I think that's better technically than the Blackburn goal. But you know, obviously the favourite's still got to be the Blackburn one for yeah. for what it for what it head meant. over heart head over heart yeah, for sure. <laughs> Excellent. No, well, that's good. Well, um, yeah, there we go. That is that is George's assessment of shortlisted Manuel Benson for Player of the Year. Who knows? Next season in the Premier League, he might be in the Premier League Player of the Year. We'll see. So, Rich, your choice for Player of the Year was our midfield general, Josh Cullen. To start us off, I guess, with why? What What did you see in him that you didn't see in anybody well, else? Oh, I wouldn't say you say I didn't see in anybody <laughs> else. It's always a really tough decision, isn't it? Um, I think he. I think the one thing for me is was just his consistency, game. And- after game, after game, after game, he was a 7, 8 out of 10 on some occasions, 9 out of 10. I yeah. think when company was resting players during that period, and even in the FA Cup, who was always on the team sheet, it was Josh Cullen. I just love the way he approaches the game. Um, and he's like a magnet to the ball. Every time the ball drops out the air or or it's kind of like a free ball in midfield, he's just there. And he's just the one player who really makes the team just tick together. Um, yeah, and I just, I just actually love watching him play. Like we've probably got maybe more exciting players in terms of like Tellers, Zaruri, Benson, obviously of late. But yeah, I, I think somebody like him. I think every team team needs one of them. And you know, he's just his his range of passing is just superb as well. I think he's getting more confident in advanced positions. I think for him to be a real top top player to kind of maybe get to that top half Premier League level. Uh, probably needs to add more goals to his game and be a bit more of a threat in terms of goals and assists. But at the same time, I don't think that's his game. I'm no. looking forward to see how he goes. In. I'm looking forward to see how he goes in the Premier League too. Obviously, Premier League's a bit quick, obviously quicker, it's more physical, but I'm sure he can hold his own. So I hope that's a good summary of why I think he's my player of the year. And just one last point, I did actually tweet that oh, Josh Cullen's going to be one of the best players in the Championship after that first game uh, against Huddersfield. And you did. I, was I remember. Right. Uh, yeah, you were. And I think, well, sorry. No, I was going to say, we, we didn't really know anything about him when he came. And I think there was a couple of people raised eyebrows because obviously we signed him from Anderlecht and it, it, it followed um, company here. And a lot of people were maybe thinking, oh, is he just signing his, you know, we're just getting the whole Anderlecht side here. Uh, but a few people, including yourself, after that Huddersfield game, um, definitely saw something in him that we'd maybe been missing um, in that Burnley side for a long time. But I think for me, it's been the impact it's had on Josh Brownhill that has been particularly yeah. impressive. 
Yeah, 100%. I think they complement each other really well. I think Cork's obviously been a fact, you know, been the first half of the season was a real key cog. And then he, I think he had that suspension, didn't he? So I think once actually Browner went a little bit deeper playing with Cullen and we played more of a number 10, whether that was Johan or Teller, yeah. I think Cullen's come, come into his own even more. And I think Brownell's actual, he's not perfect, Brownell, don't get me wrong, but I think even his range of passing has got better. I think playing next to someone like Cullen will only do that. And I think I could, <laughs> I could probably only count one half this season where Cullen's not been the best midfielder on the pitch. I'm not going to say who I felt that was against, maybe on this podcast. Um, no. We'll, we'll leave that one. Well, 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 for the first half anyway. But like <laughs> I was just saying, just I just it's just one of them, and I think people notice it. It's like, oh, the ball's in the air, oh, the ball's loose, oh, Cullen's got it, oh, the ball's been crossed into the box, our defender's out of position, oh, Cullen's there. Uh, it's just it just seems to have that knack of reading the game so well, and it's maybe if you do it for one or two games, it's a bit of luck, but when you do it game after game yeah. after game, and. For me, for him not to be in the player of the year, uh, the, the team of the year is just a travesty. And yeah. I think it's just shown that it purely, as good as Brownell's been, I think it just shows that it purely just goes down on stats because Brownell's got a few more goals and assists. Well, yeah, that's, we're, yeah definitely. Those of, who, yeah, those of us who've seen him play would have put Cullen over Brownhill all the time. And actually, you picked you picked the player that I think most of our listeners have, have picked for as well. When we put a poll out on Twitter, most people picked Cullen. Um, interesting what you're saying about goals. 42 appearances for the Clarets this season. Uh, one of the top um, appearances um, in the squad, but just one goal. So, yeah, it's interesting really, isn't it? You are always looking for... Um, when you don't have a, a striker who's banging in 20 goals in the championship, you are always looking for somebody who can create more or score more. But as you said, that's not Cullen's game. Um, no. Do you think he'll continue that next season or do you think he will try and create more? Yeah, I think 100%. I think he'll just kind of keep playing that role. He'll keep being that link, getting the ball off to the defence, playing it into our possibly more creative players than, yeah. than, than, than him. I think it's very rare that you get in the modern game a central midfielder who who does both, who can drop deep and who can also score goals. That's why you get your, you know, your likes of De Bruyne or your top world class players and a woman for X amount of money. And why players like Bellingham are going for big, big money because they are very rare now. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think the only question I've got on Cullen, um, I'm just laughing in the background. I might see in the airport doing this and there's a stag doing somebody dedication listeners. Out, but, um, <laughs> Let, let's not <laughs> so share that. Let's not share. I'll not flip the camera, but yeah, I think that's his only question. Obviously, he's quite a small guy, isn't he? And I'm not, but like, you know, you look at some of the players who play in the Premier League and I think most good sides in the Premier League do have a real physical midfielder, even some of the lower sides. So I think that's going to be a challenge for him. But I think company will personally look at a couple of midfielders, a couple of maybe more, at least one physical midfielder. And I think they will be able to complement each other really well. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. 
Our thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are, as ever, proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.